Hey there, More Than a Game listeners. Zach Ziegler here, the show's producer. Since we're in between seasons of the show right now, we decided to bring you a bonus episode from one of AZPM's other podcasts. With college sports getting underway, our public affairs show The Buzz examined why the University of Arizona and Arizona State University are leaving the Pac-12 conference and moving to the Big 12 a year from now. We're starting to plan season two of More Than a Game and hope to bring you more great Arizona sports stories later this year, maybe early next year. But keep this feed active because we've got some other ideas for bonus episodes yet to come. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, why Arizona's two biggest universities are switching athletic conferences. The college football season begins this week for all three state universities in Arizona. For two of them, it will mark the end of an era. The University of Arizona and Arizona State University are set to leave the Pac-12 conference at the end of the school year. University of Arizona Athletic Director Dave Hickey spoke to reporters at a news conference this week. He started by talking about the 45-year relationship. The conference has helped this athletics program and this university as well. Um, but uh, And we'll, we're going to celebrate this year. We're going to celebrate our membership, and we're going to celebrate being part of the Pac-12. We're going to compete like heck, try to win all the conference championships we can as well. But, uh, you know, with that, we're, uh, we're also in a transition mode, and we, are, we have a transition team that's uh, already at work in how we will, again, move through this final year in the, in the Pac-12 and then move on to our new conference home. Hickey addressed the fact that Wildcat teams go from a conference that's made up of teams in the Pacific and Mountain time zones to one where the most distant travel partners are in Florida and West Virginia. You know, our initial analysis um, does not have a tremendous significant impact on the travel, uh, both time and costs. Uh, we, on average, maybe about an hour more, again, on average, both ways, on commercial travel, maybe 30 to 45 minutes on charter travel. Um, depending on how we schedule, that could even be reduced more. We could be traveling less than we do now. He also addressed concerns that student-athletes will be disadvantaged by increased travel, saying that they'll work with the faculty to address any increase in absences and ensure that help is provided to the student-athletes. First and foremost, we're about the academics here. Okay, let's make that very clear. Uh, It's part of who we are. We understand that the scheduling models may be different, uh, the way we travel may be a little bit different, and we've got to make accommodations appropriately so everyone can uh, be successful in their academic pursuits. Hickey said that the move will not disadvantage the University of Arizona teams that traditionally receive less attention and have lower attendance. A lot of our sports, I think, slot in very nicely when you look across the board. Again, that was another part of that, it, that was very attractive to this move is how all of our sports fit in and how competitively they can fit in and how that ultimately helps your, your sports with the competitiveness of a conference. You can grow your sports and their success. He also talked about what many think is the biggest reason for the move, the changing landscape of how fans who aren't at sporting events watch them. A lot of the realignment, uh, the emphasis is about media packages. Um, Certainly our media partners and the media companies out there have a major influence now on college athletics. And that needs to be examined. 
Okay, that's my uh, philosophical statement. That needs to be examined. But it is what it is, and we're dependent on those resources to, uh, you know, to have our programs where they are and to grow our programs. I do think that there's advantages to um, our media deal as we go into it. There's still a strong, traditional, linear concept to that. But streaming is the way it's going to happen. That's going to go forward. That is where this is going. Uh, at least 40% of all the content that the Big 12 produces is all streaming. Uh, a great deal through that is a very familiar platform when you look at ESPN+. But that is where it is going. The state's two major college sports programs will likely benefit from the move to a new conference. To learn more about the move, I spoke with Doug Haller, who writes about Arizona sports for The Athletic. Even though he mentioned Stanford and Cal's move to the ACC, which was announced Friday morning, we recorded the interview before the deal was signed. I started our conversation by asking what he thinks will happen to the athletic departments at ASU and UA with their leaving the Pac-12. Well, we don't know yet. Um, football will be fine because football is always fine. Uh, basketball, particularly men's basketball, I think will probably fit in seamlessly. Uh, the question, as always, with realignment is what does it mean for the, the smaller sports, the Olympic sports, the travel during the week? You know, will they be traveling commercially? Will they be, you know, hung up in Texas somewhere on a delay? You know, you know what does it mean? Um, I, I will say, as far as realignment goes, the Arizona schools going to the Big 12 makes sense more sense geographically than most of what we've seen in realignment. So um, that part is a positive, I think. Uh, and just the fact that the Pac-12 was kind of shaking, has been on shaky ground for a while, it seemed like a move they both needed to make. UA President Robbins and the athletic director Hiki held a news conference after all this was announced. They were really excited. One of the things they talked about was Kansas coming to McHale to play basketball. Do you think we're going to see some new rivalries develop, or is it just going to be the usual rivalries, um, conference don't matter? No, I think we will if, you know, everything stays as it is. I mean, everything changes so quickly. I don't know if you can say for sure where we might be in five, ten years. But, I mean, if everything stays the same, I mean, who would not get excited about Arizona-Kansas basketball? I mean, you have two of the great tra tra traditions in the sport. You have two of the great venues in the sport. So that that is definitely something to look forward to. Um, and the other rivalries, I think, will just have to develop, you know, over time. And a lot of people, there's so many elements to establishing rivalries now. Uh, I do know that Arizona State, uh, just being up here in football with Utah, their two fan bases go back and forth on social media. So some have called that a rivalry. It's not. I mean, rivalries start on the field. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it will just depend. And, you know, with for the football element of it, both of the programs are kind of in different places. And, you know, if, if Arizona in particular can continue their ascent, they're maybe joining the Big 12 at a good time and uh, can maybe establish a, a rivalry with, you know, Oklahoma State or, you know, Kansas State, who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. You, you mentioned Arizona State and the reactions initially uh, for the potential of leaving the Pac-12 were very different. Robbins at the University of Arizona was all set to go. Michael Crow at ASU, we will say, was hesitant uh, to make that jump. What can be said about that now that it's all said and done? Well, now that it's all said and done, they both said that they were kind of in lockstep agreement throughout the whole process. 
to be honest, I'm not sure that's that's true. Um, I was in Tucson a week before, a few days before, actually, the alignment news broke uh, and for Football Media Day. And just listening to Jed Fish, he was asked at one point, what is best for the University of Arizona? His answer was stability. And at that moment, <laughs> my thought process is like, they're leaving. You know, they are not staying in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 was not stable. Everyone knew this. Um, so the vibe I had driving back to Phoenix that day is, okay, Arizona's out. They're, they're leaving. Arizona State, I've been around this program for a long time. I've gotten to know their school president, Michael Crow. I know how loyal he is. I know how he felt that a Arizona State better aligned with the Pac-12 schools um, academically, uh, probably culturally, probably politically. And I knew that he would have his arms wrapped around that conference and do whatever he could to stay in the Pac-12. And it wasn't a surprise to hear him say that he liked the Apple deal that was offered, that was presented by the commissioner. Um, it's innovative. <laughs> Michael Crow can't do any sort of interview without using the word innovative. Innovate is on his license plate. It didn't surprise me that he was willing to take less money uh, and you know, maybe, I don't wanna say sacrifice competitive balance, but you know, he's kind of an old school thinker where he doesn't like college sports driving the university. So it, it didn't surprise me that he was hesitant. It would have been really interesting to see if Oregon and Washington had not left for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 still had a chance to stay together, if Arizona would have gone and made the move to the Big 12 with Arizona State staying. Well, and Arizona, Robbins said, you know, he was ready. He thought they were going into the meeting to sign in blood the new deal and everything broke down and very quickly everybody took off. Yeah, and I, I don't want to say that Dr. Robbins was lying, but I, I think from from the conversations I've had, uh, I've asked members of the Tucson media for their feeling on this. The feeling was they were, U, U of A wanted to go, um, needed to go. And, you know, I, I don't know. When it comes down to it, and we've seen this play out uh, across the country with, with realignment, when it comes down to it, rivalries, uh, regionality, all that stuff's important until you have to make a financial decision. And it would have come down to that. And I wouldn't have, I think most people, the fan base wouldn't have blamed Arizona, but it would have been really interesting to see had Arizona State stayed, if they would have done what's best for them instead of what's best for the conference. And you talk about the money. We're seeing that play out in the ACC, we think, with Clemson and Florida State, where admittedly I went, uh, you know, they're looking to get out. So it, it's money at the end of the day. Without question. And now we're seeing, you mentioned the ACC, you know, they're thinking about bringing in Cal and Stanford, two of the, two of the four schools left over in the Pac-12, maybe SMU. And there, there, are, there are several examples that symbolize why, how this has gotten out of control. But, you know, Cal is not a school that has great finances. Um, you know, what sense does it make to go all the way across the country to play you know, your sports, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I understand why the ACC would, would like be interested in, in, in bringing in two institutions like Cal and Stanford. Stanford's a little bit different case than, than Cal, but, you know, it just doesn't make sense that geographically that these kids are going to have to go all the way across the country. College sports is, uh, this, it's been going this way for a while. And if you ask the presidents, Dr. Roberts was asked this, Michael Crow was asked this, if they, if they like the direction that it's going, both said no. Well, it's like, well, then you ha who, who's going to do something about it? Something has to be done to stop it, or I don't know where it's going to end up. 
So this is kind of the farewell tour, it seems like, for the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, if you will, um, especially if, as we talked about, something strange happens with the ACC and Cal and Stanford end up on Tobacco Road. How will all this play out with the once Power 5, then Power 4 as we go forward in conferences? Well, I mean, I, I'll start by saying that Thursday where um, the Pac-12 just kind of crumbled, that was unlike any day in my professional sports career. You knew it, it, was, a po- it was a possibility. Um, you knew that Oregon and Washington could go to the Big Ten. You knew all the speculation about Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. But it was just like an avalanche. You know, you heard it, the rumbling. You, you saw it coming from a distance, and then all of a sudden it was just here. And, I mean, it just took a while to process, like, oh, my gosh, this, this conference that has been around for over 100 years may not exist anymore. It, it's just amazing how quickly that happened. Is there anything that could have been done? It sounds like. You know, we all saw the, the the monsoon clouds on the horizon. Is there anything that could have been done to save the Pac-12? Or was this, as we've talked about, just the way with money deals and all of that? Well, that's a long conversation. Uh, you know, Fair it, enough. It, it goes back to Larry Scott, the previous commissioner, and some of the missteps he made um, starting. And, and what people understand, don't I think they, I think they do understand, but Larry Scott made mistakes, but he's also a scapegoat in the sense that he follows, he answers to the school presidents. So, you know, he can go out and get a deal, bring it back, but the school presidents ultimately decide. Uh, The Pac-12 network didn't work out. It was maybe a good idea, but I think maybe they overestimated the passion of of sports and people's willingness to pay uh, for it. Not getting direct TV at that time was, it was a huge setback that the Pac-12 never, never, never recovered from. I mean, I've talked to coaches in recruiting Pac-12 coaches and asked them like, well, how big a deal did parents bring up like, Hey, I can't get the Pac-12 network. How am I going to get to see my son or daughter play? And they said, yes, all the time. No other conference has to do that. You know, uh, not power, not in the power conferences anyway. So that was a misstep. And then, you know, the, really the death blow was USC and UCLA leaving to go to the big 10. I mean, losing the LA market at a time when you're trying to find or negotiate a new media rights deal. That was difficult. And I know the new commissioner, George Klyovkov, uh, is getting a lot of criticism and a lot of it's justified, but that was really hard to do. Go out and say, hey, we need to be competitive with everyone else is making. What can you do? Um, and from there, it sounds like there were some there were some opportunities with ESPN, but at a valuation that uh, the Pac-12 presidents didn't think was uh, appropriate for their product. Well, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Hey, I appreciate you having me. I enjoyed it. That was Doug Haller, a sports journalist at The Athletic. This week, we're looking at the impending move of Arizona's two largest college sports programs from the Pac-12 conference to the Big 12. University of Arizona athletics are quite popular, and that popularity brings with it a variety of media covering its teams. Brad Alice has covered U of A athletics for roughly three decades. He hosts the Wildcat Sports Report podcast. Mike Luke has worked for multiple publications and radio outlets in his time covering the Wildcats. Currently, he covers the U of A for PHNX Sports. I started our conversation by asking the two of them, who both moved to Tucson as children, about the cultural impact of what was then the Pac-10. 
my fandom basically begins a year after they joined the Pac-12. So I don't Pac-10 then. I don't remember the whack. So my entire frame of reference is, is, is the Pac-10, Pac-12 era. So for me, it was not necessarily even knowing that Arizona and Arizona State were the newcomers. Not knowing, I, in fact, didn't know the history until recently that Arizona dragged ASU in. I always assumed it was the other way around because of ASU's football success. It was interesting, Brad, you just brought up that Arizona kind of dragged ASU into the Pac-10, then Pac-12. It seems like maybe they kind of dragged ASU back out. Yeah, yeah, definitely not on board, and he wasn't on board uh, from the very beginning. I mean, Michael Crow is an interesting example because it just shows you sometimes the disconnect between a school president and an athletic director or athletic department. Now, I mean, ASU has exploded in uh, um, population as far as uh, students go under Michael Crow, so he's not going anywhere, but he clearly has very, very little interest in the athletic side of things. Um, you know, uh, after the Big 12 media deal was signed, he was talking about the Pac-12 media deal, and he clearly didn't understand what streaming was because he was talking about how he was interested in the streaming service that w allowed you to capture the moments of games and then play them back as if this hasn't been something, you know, that has been here for the longest time. And it's funny we're talking about it now because they just dropped the bombshell on the ASU football team that, um, oh, by the way, you're not going to be able to play in a bowl game this year, which is something, in my opinion, that's, you know, rivalry aside, which is really crummy because you knew that a long time ago that you were probably going to go down this route, but you didn't do that because you didn't want to blow up the roster and, if you had done this four months earlier, kids would have had all kinds of options. Well, and a lot of the kids who are playing ball this, starting this weekend, they weren't on the roster when these things happened. So they have There's they some, had nothing to do with it. I mean, you got something, I think it was like 25 transfer portal kids, something like that, that, I mean, I don't know that all of them wouldn't have chosen ASU, but it, you know, Brad, it definitely changes the equation if you know you can't play in the postseason. I think that's the biggest problem we, we see with so many of these NCAA penalties. I mean, obviously you need regulation and there's a, a big lack of it right now, but the guilty parties almost never pay the price. It's always the kids later on, the next coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unfair to those kids and the, the odds of them playing in a bowl game this year were slim. But every kid who steps on the field this weekend still thinks they're playing for a national title and a bowl game and the NFL. And to take that from them so late in the process, yeah, really was unfair. I think the only thing worse than having a meddlesome president is having a completely dista uh, disattached president like, like Crow, one, yeah. um, who, again, in this case, when there's so much money at stake and, and so much at stake in general with the future of college football and college basketball. You need someone who, you know, again, knows how streaming works and knows that the biggest pressing need for the Pac-12 wasn't expansion into China. It was getting on DirecTV, and Crow seems to be unable or unwilling to understand that process and how that works. Let's kind of go back to the, the conference realignment stuff. We've heard that Big 12 TV deal worth about $30 million, the Pac-12 deal could have been $20 million for the teams. Did it just come down to money? Is that why everything blew up? I think it's money and stability. Um, with the fact that I don't think, and if you, I'm going to speak for Arizona because we're all Arizona-centric here. Um, Arizona knew Oregon and Washington ideally wanted to be in the Big Ten once they lost USC and UCLA. 
they knew, I think there were concerns about the financial stability of Cal athletics who don't care about athletics. Um, Oregon State and Washington State, you know, could they continue to compete at a level that you were going to need, you know, was bringing in San Diego State or SMU financially viable? So while, you know, let's say, let's say we'll be generous and say that Pac-12 deal could have been worth up to $24 million with some ESPN buy-in with some hitting some of those benchmarks, that's still $6, 7000000 million. But I think the bigger thing was, were you going to be going through this again in three or four years when you lost Oregon and Washington? Um, and would you have a place in a conference like the Big 12, which is very forward thinking? It's, you know, right now the number three conference behind the Big 10 and the uh, SEC. So I think it was as much as anything. Yes, it was six, seven million dollars a year, but it was stability. It was you did not want to find yourself in the Mountain West in Conference USA um, in some new version of the big sky in four or five years, because that would be the death knell for a program like Arizona, which still needs for, for some of their other sports, not necessarily for men's basketball, to be in a major conference to draw fans to the stadium. I would add a little bit, too, and Brad's obviously spot on there. I would add a little bit, too, that uh, visibility was a big part in all of this, too, because... Um, you can't listen everybody knows streaming is the wave of the future um, but you can't go 100% streaming right now there's just too many people that don't understand it don't nor really you know care to understand it at this point and I thought you know when President Robbins said that we could have gone for something 50-50 but when um, George Klievkov comes back and it's 100% streaming you know, there's a there's a reason that the you know the uh, conferences that hold all the cards the SEC the Big Ten Yes, they're going to have a streaming element, but it is still going to be overwhelmingly linear. And those are the one; those are the conferences that call their own shots, right there. So, uh, yes, I mean Brad's points are very well taken that it was about money and stability, but also visibility because you got to remember as well that Larry Scott, a big thing that he promised all these schools was when the Pac-12 network came around. Um, you know, we're, let's bet on the come up. This thing is going to uh, grow. This thing is going to expand. And not only did it not grow, not expand, it was uh, unaccessible for what anybody that had DirecTV. And they wouldn't let you subscribe, ironically enough, to the streaming-only service. Right. Um, I, as a DirecTV user, because of my love of the NFL, I couldn't just subscribe to the Pac-12 network. I would have spent 5 to $10, maybe even more during season, to, to watch games. Yeah, it's been fraught with, 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 with failure across the board, and Mike's completely right. Streaming is the future. But the key word is future. You need some streaming now, but 100% streaming would be would be very difficult. So does the fan experience change with this realignment, do you think? I think the getting in your car and driving to L.A. changes, but that was changing anyways. Um, I think there's something like almost as many games close by. You can get to Lubbock in what yeah. an hour longer than it took you to get, I think, to L.A. Possibly faster depending on traffic, traffic exactly. in L.A. Yeah. Stadium door-to-door yeah. right. -door <laughs> might be quicker. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be difficult, I think, for a lot of people. You know, I don't know how many Arizona fans are going to go to Morgantown or go to Cincinnati. Um, but there's not much difference, between, honestly, between going to Kansas City and Seattle. It's a couple time zone differences, but the the direction and, and the the miles. So I think that's what's going to change the fan experience. You know, obviously there's a big LA uh, alumni base that now can't go to two games a year or four games a year, depending on on the sport. Uh, but you also open up there's a big Midwest contingent of fans who now can drive. Um, to Kansas City, to you know Manhattan, Kansas. Um, so yeah, I think it changes. But the real new thing I think is you're going to miss those rivalries. But again, as a, as a U of A fan, I've never seen them play Kansas State or Kansas or Cincinnati in football. 
Uh, the last time they played Baylor in football was a bowl game when I was 19 years old. Uh, so those are going to be fun seeing these new rivalries. You know, apologies to Oregon State fans, but I don't get geeked up for a Thursday night game against a 4-12 and 12 Oregon State basketball team. I'm going to be pretty excited even to see, you know, 500 Cincinnati because, you know, the Bearcats are going to beat the heck out of you uh, on a Thursday night game. So I think that'll be the fun aspect. But, yeah, missing those rivalries, missing the familiarity of the of the, of the Pac-10, the Pac-12 is, is going to be a disappointment. I think what you're also going to find, too, is that you're in the Big 12. It's far more of a it's more of a rabid fan base, whereas in the Pac-12 right now. And then it didn't used to always be the case because, I mean, I remember in the 90s when Pauley Pavilion would be would be rocking with Jim Herrick and uh, teams like the Maples Pavilion and Stanford obviously those don't exist anymore I mean Maples Pavilion is what 1200 people like on a, on a game day when it used to be almost kind of the Duke of the West as far yeah, as yeah there just... were 1200 people outside who couldn't get in exactly and you look at it now I mean Cal doesn't care about sports they don't have anybody that shows up Stanford um, ASU fairly apathetic the LA schools I mean you know, whereas in the Big 12, these are all college towns. They pack their gyms. It's like the U of A. That's the only game in town right there. So in a weird way, just from a fan perspective, I think that Arizona might be a bigger, better fit in the Big 12 at this point in everything. And they're going to be excited to see Arizona because when Arizona has played Cincinnati in basketball, it's been a neutral court. When Arizona has played Kansas, more often than not, it's been neutral court. Um, you know, Arizona saw TCU and created a little rivalry after that tournament game. So fans are going to want to see these premier you know, sports, whether it's Arizona softball, Arizona basketball, women's basketball. In fact, in many ways, I think Arizona, people are like, why did they like Arizona so much? Because in some ways they're replacing Texas and Oklahoma and all these other sports as well. Because Arizona competes across the board, ASU to a lesser extent, you know, Utah, maybe not so much, but in Colorado, not so much, but Arizona and ASU are bringing in two top 10 baseball programs of all time, two what, softball World Series champions in the last 10 years. And going uh, into Oklahoma, whatever you're playing in Oklahoma, playing softball, you're filling the stadium. Exactly. And again, yeah. they're losing the Sooners, but Oklahoma State's put money into their program, you know, TCU baseball. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's, it's going to probably be more fun from a player standpoint with the crowds than it was in the Pac-12. We've talked mainly about football and basketball because those are the big sports. But for softball, for baseball, and some of the other sports, this is a really good deal for them, too. Oh, absolutely. Like Brad said, I mean, when you've got Arizona, now obviously the softball program is kind of falling on some hard times right now, but it's still Arizona softball. It's still, along with UCLA, one of the two most prominent uh, uh, franchises in all of college Everybody softball. Everybody expects it to be back. Yes, exactly. You've got that. You've got baseball right now as well. Look at uh, women's basketball. Now, granted, um, it's a little. It's going to be a little bit different because the Pac-12 is very good in women's basketball, but Big 12 isn't any slouch there either, though, as well. And I think that you're probably going to see a lot more um, interest when Arizona women's basketball comes to town than you might have seen in some of these uh, these Pac-12 schools. Brad, Alice, Mike, Luke, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Appreciate it. It was a great time. Thanks for having us. That was Mike Luke of PHNX Sports and Brad Alice of the Wildcat Sports Report. And that's the buzz for this week. Tune in next week as we look at the advantages and disadvantages of a community becoming a town or city. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts 
Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR app. Zach Ziegler is our producer with production help from Katya Mendoza. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.